Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere, the Misfit Crew at Southfleet HQ is proud to bring you the Die Living Podcast. So, uh, for those of uh, for those of us who are listening who don't know who Dwayne is, he is known as the Black Mountain. Um, well, that is his fighter name when he was young and foolish and doing MMA stuff. But apparently, the MMA game did not work out for you that well. Not at all. Not at all. I do not like being punched in the face. Yeah, you raped one dude and, in jail, and then there were three people that like somehow put you on your ass. I don't understand that actually. Uh, I only know this because I looked at SureDog.com when I was trying to scream your praises, and I was like, dude, I met this fucking cool guy, and he like totally low-key tells me, like, I'm I'm hanging out with him for an hour, and then we were talking about him doing jujitsu, and he like just, like, as a matter of like, oh, by the way, check this out, I'm the number one uh, no-gi jujitsu practitioner in IB. Or IFBJJ, IBJJF, International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation. Yeah, and uh, in like what the ultra ultra heavyweight division? Actually, it's Masters Four purple belt. So I believe that's forty five to fifty all weights. It seems oh all weights. Yeah. Oh no shit. Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess if you were gonna roll with a fucking lightweight dude, he doesn't have much of a chance. I'm second best in the world at giving my wife back rubs. <laughs> <laughs> I want to speak to the man who's first best. No. <laughs> uh, you are 6'7". Six, 6'7". Six, uh, three... 354. Yeah, it's lightweight. And uh, we just discovered at lunch that you have a size 20 shoe. Yes. So when we go places, I it, I literally feel like Danny DeVito on Twins. Um, Dwayne is into... Long distance cycle riding on a single speed bike. Uh, he likes rock climbing. I made a joke. I was just like, "Hey, man, I want you, you should come rock climbing with me sometime." And he like did this whole thing like, "I don't climb. I'm too big." And then immediately has shown me much photography and video of like him and his son climbing over the years. So he worked at a climbing gym. I've never seen a giant like this climbing. I, the laws of physics don't apply. Yeah, no, I Dwayne's told Kim, I was like, man, I can't wait for Dwayne to come climbing gym with me because he's just going to pull holds right off the it, wall. <laughs> I, I've broken holds, pull holds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't Twist find that them. hard to believe. So, I mean, I am, I am not that big. I'm big by climber standards, and I yeah. definitely feel them rotate sometimes. And I'm like, well, that was, yeah, that was a little sketchy. Um, so we totally want to get Dwayne on because I'm trying to get him to come do stuff. I actually did not realize, but Dwayne is one of two sponsored athletes by Ranger Up. True. And uh, who's like, the other? <laughs> Tim Kennedy. <laughs> Timothy Kennedy. Yeah. Esquire. So, uh, you know, I, I would say you're in good company, but, you know, I'm sure people are tittering when I say that. <laughs> no comment. I, I would like to see awesome. you and Tim roll. It's not, I, I've rolled with him once before. And uh, he whipped me like a wet puppy. Really? It was horrible. Yeah, horrible. Dude, we're I'm I'm homies with uh, Dennis Bermudez. I don't know if you know him or not. Uh, the Menace. Yeah, Dennis the Menace. He showed up at my FOB in Iraq when I was on my last deployment. And uh, actually, they did a podcast about it. I had no idea. I just listened to it the other day. And it is funny to hear people talking about meeting us and like from a 
completely That's awesome. agnostic standpoint where it's like, dude, I met these crazy guys. And I was like, Doug's the guy with a like really big mustache, you know? And then Phil, my other buddy who's in our SF company is, and he's a big guy too, but he's like, what, six two, two fifty or something. And Phil likes, he's an amateur practitioner of jujitsu as well. And uh, he kept fucking around with Dennis like, oh yeah, man, we should roll. We should roll. Well, like 10 drinks into the evening, uh, at like three in the morning, um, Phil and Dennis decided to roll. And, uh, I mean, Dennis is like walk around like 170 or something, 165. And like, he just straight up like suplexed Phil and then put him in the hucklebuck and was like slapping him in the face. I was like, come on, big guy, fight back, fight back. And I was like, I'm just standing there like, what the fuck just happened? How is this little dude just destroying Phil? Phil's huge. Yeah. So, Jiu-jitsu. It's USC one all over again, right? <laughs> yeah, it was it's funny. Uh we we're gonna try to get Dennis on here at some point too. Maybe we should pit you and Dennis against each other. We have the Dolomar Mats in the back. We do. I'm I'm down. So and I that is that will be a subject of topics later is like Christian and I will put on Mexican wrestling masks and we'll film a video of us trying to like bring you down like the Hindenburg. <laughs> we can do uh the uh Princess Bride, Fezzik, and uh, you could be uh, Albert. Dude, that is literally yeah. what Aaron said. He's like, this is going to be just like the Princess Bride. I was like, who rules Barter Town? Like, Master Blaster, I'm going to get on your shoulders and we'll just yes. wander around the gym. I'll hit my head on everything. Uh, the highest pull-up bar that we have in the gym, uh, Dwayne just reached up and, like, grabbed it. I believe it's almost 10 feet. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a little under 10 feet. You're like a nine-foot... Not, uh, so wingspan is probably about 80 inches wingspan, but reaching, reaching up nine and a half. So a little over nine and a half. Yeah. You're, uh, you're, you're a physical monster. That's goes without saying, uh, also into welding and leather working, leather work. Re- recycling leather. Actually, I find leather couches in the trash and I skin them in place like a, like a hobo. Or a, or a uh, hunter. Or an artisan. Is it, now I'm picturing you crouched over a couch that you found on the side of the road cutting leather off to make your bracelets and posing, other... Posing there with your kill with a pair of box cutters. And, <laughs> yes. And your multicams. And my man bun. No, I don't have man bun. No. no hipster. Well, I mean, it's you're certainly a jack of all trades. A polymath. I, yeah, I, we this all started because I was at a I was at a social event with Dwayne and he rolled up and he was wearing like a, like a thin blue line shirt and I was like Jesus it's the biggest cop I've ever fucking seen so what do I do just kind of make a few snide like shit Hold on, just real quick yeah I think Ronnie Coleman would be the biggest uh, police officer ever but he's only like five eight or Ten, five nine yeah, right yeah you can put him in your pocket man camera camera on your shoulders he flexes and busts out. First time, like the first gyms I ever went to, uh, there's like just sweaty Ronnie Coleman pictures everywhere. And I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to get to that, that stage, you know, like yeah. when that's, you know, a guy like Ronnie Coleman is like a Ferrari Testarossa, you know, no guys are convinced that that's what girls like, but no girl sees that. And is like, Oh, you know, girls like Jeeps and Bentleys and, you know, Chris Hemsworth, they don't want Ronnie Coleman's, but dudes are in the gym like, man, if only I put on 10 more pounds of lean muscle. 10 pounds of rip. Then people are really going to like me. They're going to respect me. I mean, look up to me and ask me questions about philosophy. Custom then, yeah. uniforms. Exactly. So you were yeah. in the 82nd. Yes, I was. And I'm assuming that you, too, did not fit into a uniform well. 
Uh, funny story was I you spoke about my size twenty shoe earlier today. Uh, so in basic training, I was I waited in reception for two months for boots. They had to custom make them. Stop it. Are you serious? Yeah. The I'm next serious. soldier ladies must have loved so, you. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> then, so then after basic, they still didn't have my boots ready because they kept making them too wide, narrow foot. So after basic, before jump school, my whole unit we were OSOT. Whole unit goes out. I'm still there two more months, draw a paycheck by myself, waiting for just boots. waiting for boots. Did you have to wait at the like uniform facility every day, like a good bureaucratic system would insist on, or did you just do basic and tennis shoes? I did basic and tennis shoes and for bidding in December, so mm. it was wet and cold, dude. Yeah, it sucked. That's awful. Eh, it could be worse. No, I mean it could always be worse, but that's just like I'm thinking about it. I'm like, you're like the only maternity profile. A soldier to ever complete OSET. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know the joke, when women are pregnant in the military, they're allowed to sh scuffle around in tennis shoes because their feet are swollen. And so you always yeah. know. Pregnant, so too pregnant was Dwayne. Yeah, Dwayne yes. too. <laughs> it wouldn't oh. be bad if I could blend in, but <laughs> no, no, you're like a giant flagpole, and it even it's worse just because you know. Well, at least you went through. What year was that? Uh, 1990. Yeah, so a while back before, you know, there were transgender issues and people could, would have been really confused, like, what, where, where is that giant pregnant woman coming from? <laughs> yeah, well, hilarious. did you have a no-shave profile, too? <laughs> <laughs> I did not shave. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think the bumps are a real problem, so I'm sympathetic. I wish I got the bumps. Then I, too, could have a sexy beard. You've got yes. different bumps. Yeah, oh, but you can go Norse <laughs> God now. So why would you yeah. hate on my fucking social diseases like that, Brian? <laughs> but Doug, they they uh, they allow people of Norse descent to wear beards now. Do they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not me. Sadly, I found out through twenty three and me that I'm Jewish. A so. quarter Jewish. Let's not get carried away. And in English, so I have. I mean, if I technically, as someone from England, it's likely that I have some Norwegian heritage, you know, rape-wise, mm -hmm. but the fact of the matter is, I do not. Apparently, we were too ugly or too strong to have been, you know, crossbred. Or you were just sitting in the back counting your money. Yeah, well, there's that, actually. See? Look. It's, look, unless you're Jewish, you can't make Jew jokes to My stepdad was Jewish. Lloyd Rogeski, actually. Are you serious? Yep. How the fuck does that happen? I don't know. I, I, would, I grew up in New Jersey, so 73% of my high school is Jewish out of 670 people in my graduating class. I'm trying to picture you in yeshiva school. <laughs> my tuchus hurts. Come on. <laughs> Mechayim. Man. Um, oh, man. Yeah, so uh, obviously I met Dwayne and we became immediately friends over shit-talking. and uh, Expert shit-talking. Well, for sure. And, of course, Kim is annoyed as usual because I'm sitting here talking to this guy about, like, everything but, like, Hanging out like Kim's like, why do we come to places to hang out together? And you meet random people and you talk about jujitsu and military stuff and like welding. Like, look at this picture of this thing I welded. I'm like, ah, it's cool, man. Let's look at some other shit you did. Yeah. So, um, nothing pisses off an introvert like seeing an extrovert work. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was funny because we were like immediately joined at the hip and we started talking about a whole variety of stuff, which then led to the fact that he was sponsored by Ranger Up. And I was like, oh man, you should totally come and do some stuff with us, like content wise. And like a dutiful athlete, Dwayne immediately texted Nick and was like, hey, who's this fucking weirdo that I just met? And am I allowed to actually do something with him or do you hate him? <laughs> and uh, 
Apparently, Nick did not say no. No, actually, he he said he's a cool dude. Yeah, he's which Nick, is crazy. Nick's full of shit. He yeah. doesn't know you actually. <laughs> Nick is an officer. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> he's a West Pointer. <laughs> the worst ones. Exactly. <laughs> so you went through basic in the nineties, and you had these giant feet that you couldn't get boots for. Uh, did you, by chance, know um, what's the dude from uh, Noah Steers? Yeah, and Steers Nutrition, down at, that's Fort Bragg. Yeah, it's Fort Bragg. But did you end up at, you end up at Fort Bragg with yeah. you a second? Yeah. Um, it was Noah, off Yadkin Road. This guy, he was like uh, approximately your size. I once saw him repping like 475 bench press in the gym, like for 12. And I thought, hmm, that's what testosterone looks like. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Noah is. I've never uh, seen him. He is. He's. But before I met you, I would say Noah's probably the largest man I'd actually like met in person. Um, I know it was like what six five, six six, something like that. Yeah, somewhere around there. He's and not he's, as tall as you are. He's well over. Like he's like three seventy five. He he told me this fun anecdotal tale when I went in to buy protein and natural testosterone booster, which is what every good Q core student gets from from Steers <laughs> Nutrition. It's like steroids are illegal, but do you have SARMs? You know, like here I am at twenty four, like one hundred and thirty five pounds, and I'm like, oh god. How am I supposed to hang out with all these dudes that are built like men? Oh, Noah's got me squared away. And I go in there and he's like lamenting the fact that he can't get health insurance unless he gets below 300 pounds. So he's on this like quest to lose 75 pounds as fast as possible so he can get health insurance and then go right back, go right back up to 375. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, man, I got down to three, like 325 and I thought I was going to die. It's like literally, he's like, I couldn't move. Like, I couldn't get up out of bed. Like, I mean, just, I think he was on just a brutal cut, yeah. you know, just like, hey, I'm just not eating at all. And I can only imagine the caloric intake necessary to power a 375 pound gorilla. A ton. We used to, um, like, we're not homosexual. I say that <clears throat> as no. a cautionary tale, which proves that I probably am. Um, but we all, all of us in the Q course had this picture, this high contrast black and white picture of Noah Steers standing in a fucking. Uh, squat cage wearing like white new balances and coat shorts and that's it and wow. you're like white new balances well, who the fuck wears those no one's gonna say anything to him Nothing. he literally fills up this entire like eight foot fucking squat cage I'm like Jesus Christ see that's why we are very different people that that never had any allure for me whatsoever Brian was trying to lose weight through the whole Q course well not even that this like I've never like looked at those guys and thought like that's what I want I was actually um, used to work out at Tal Courts on um, Ardennes. Yeah, yeah. And the SF guy, this dude was. I was in there after uh, one morning doing some benching, whatever. Yes. And this SF guy, black SF shirt, yellow, and it said SF Camo, right? Mm, so well, this guy nerds warmed, shouldn't be proud of themselves. He he's warming up two twenty five incline bench reps. Mm-hmm. He just gets bigger and bigger as his workout goes. Getting yeah. pump. And I'm like, holy cow. That's what SF looks like. Sign me up. Hell yeah. No, we had a, we, we had a friend, Brian Wheaton, that did the Iron Mike gym or whatever, the, the gym that was back there yep. behind uh, 82nd. Right by the medic training facility? No, the other one. The one that was right over by 82nd HQ, like right behind it. The, uh, the nice one. Towel, yeah. Towels yeah. there, and then what's the... It's, towels down the house down the road where yeah. Kreitzer went crazy. I don't remember. Um, but oh, yeah. Dude, you were around during that time, too, weren't you? That was my unit. Oh, no shit. Were Alpha you standing Company on the Ford, parade field? I actually got out by three months before that. No shit. Yeah. But Alpha Company 455. And the SF guys went and got that guy in the woods? Yep. Sergeant Kreitzer. Yeah. He just lost his shit. Do we know why? He went crazy. 
Well, yeah, it's well, a good excuse. So, uh, that's what so, you say about every one of your girlfriends, too. But the bitch went crazy syndrome, as Worth Parker says, has a lot. This is a mental health issue. <laughs> so what happened with, with him was he was always one of those guys, that high-speed, low-drag guys, um, always talking down to people who got hurt. He got hurt, became a shitbag, went fucking crazy. Jesus, couldn't live with himself, huh? Nope. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Everyone's talking shit about him. What's it's Tucker? Tucker's what you're talking about, where the pool is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tucker, Tucker was. Yeah, that's what that was a nice. Yeah, all off. No, yeah. So Brian Wheaton, this guy, I went through language school with, and I went in there one day. And you know, ever that's the thing about military uniforms is you cannot tell what girls have nice bodies, and you can't tell what guys have nice bodies. You don't know. Like, what is could designed be a big to do? Fat guy or whatever. Well, so Brian was a big dude. He was in my thing. I'm six three, and I walked into Tucker, and he was repping. 185 dumbbells, largest dumbbells they had, in mm. a seated overhead press. Mm. I was like, "Oh, that's oh, that's what strong looks like." My definition was incorrect. Brian's also as I picked up my five pound things and proceeded to jazzercise. <laughs> Brian's Reebok step style. Brian's full of shit. When so so Brian joined the army. What was seven or eight months before I did? Maybe maybe a little more. I think like a year. It was like a year. Yeah, and he. He went through basic training and graduated airborne school and got selected. And he was like, just like we've been, we were emailing because that is the nature of that time period. You know, it was like 2003, some 2004 time frame. Yeah. And Young guys. Yeah, yeah, man. And uh, I was, I was like, yeah, man, I'm working the oil field still. Uh, I'll buy you a plane ticket. We'll just have a weekend in Austin together. Like, you know, as I flew him into Austin. That's not what happened. You, you had bought the plane ticket without telling me. Oh, yeah, a surprise. Yeah. See, this no. is what a good husband does for his. Yeah, I was yeah. courting Brian this time. We were not married yet. No, I got back from selection July 4th weekend, like the Thursday before July 4th, we came back from Camp McCall and Doug had left a message on my phone that was like, Hey man, there's a ticket waiting for you at the Delta counter or whatever. Congratulations on getting selected. Like he didn't know if I had or Will not. Will you marry me? He yeah. just did. And so I like drove to RDU from from Fayetteville and hopped on a plane and he was there waiting for me and he took me right down to the fucking river, Guadalupe River, and we went tubing the whole weekend. It was great. It was a good time. We went on a run and Brian did. So Brian, a recent selection graduate to me, that's basically special forces at the time. We went on a goddamn right. We went on a nice four mile run. (laughs) We had two miles out, two miles back, and uh, we carried beers in our running short pockets and we stopped halfway to drink beers and then we smoked cigarettes on the way back. And that was to me like, I was like, oh, we'll just drink beers. And Brian like pulls out cigarettes and he's like, oh, let's smoke these on the way back. They make your lungs breathe better. And I was like, vasodilation. <laughs> I was like, wow. that's science, baby. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. And so we're like smoking cigarettes. I'm dying, trying not to like punk out. Brian brought me, uh, he brought me the best that General Jackson's has to offer. He brought me a cool, like, uh, multicolored art design like skull with snake coming through it special forces hat like mess with the best die with the rest oh yeah you're the worst wow. thing i could find and then he brought me a special forces flag that's like uh you know congrats you know like uh i don't know these are like the, the rules of being cool rule number one no no no. i got you that flag after you joined the army was before it? selection yeah yeah he, and it still hangs in your garage brian also <laughs> gave me his drive-on tab which was like a special forces, like full color special forces tab, which I still have. It's sitting on my desk right now. I kept it in my, my patrol cap the entire no, time I was going through the Q course. People think we're fucking with them when we say we're married. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we're. <laughs> yeah, you, dude. Like on Golden Pond right now. We, we have had a long and uh, torrid romance, all of which is predicated under the, the false vision that we are heterosexual like when he came to austin i presented him with matching coors light girls and we he uh 
we did things with them. We swatch. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> back to Dwayne and his time. Beards. Yeah. Back to Dwayne and his time in the 82nd. We How ha- was that in the 82nd? Was it fun? It was awesome. It was amazing, actually. It was the best time of my life. Not really. Mm. Bullshit. Dog and pony crap. Yeah, man. All day long. That was 90 through 92, 93? Yeah, in between the, in, in between the two wars. Uh, so, funny story is, so I get get out of jump school. Thing, everyone thinks you're hot shit. Five jump. jump. Fuck yeah, yeah bro. So fuck yeah, get to the second. I can imagine you burning like a motherfucker. Oh, they call me Dirt Dart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was both there racist there and a, accurate. There ain't a triple XL size no. T10 Delta. New. No. I was uh, stick pusher in jump school, first man on the ground. Easy. No Easy. shit. Easy. Just burn it in. Dude, I really so, want to uh, see this. Like, I'm like, oh, it's scary. So, so I get to the 82nd, right, in Alpha Company 4325. About third third of the company has combat jump starts in Panama. So I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm cool. Then I get there, I'm like, holy shit, these motherfuckers jumped in the fucking combat. And I'm like, I can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing that I could do at that point was hard enough for any of those people to ever be like, oh, yeah, Taylor, you're, you're, you're squared away, you're good. Well, and the problem is, is they, you weren't going to get a chance to do that for another decade, and yeah. those guys would all be out before they had yep. a chance to prove it again. It That's nuts. the problem with, like, peacetime military after wartime and why the military currently is so kicking and screaming to fall into that garrison, garrison peacetime mentality is, like, all the newcomers have nothing to prove their edge against and nothing to sharpen their edge against, and all the old guys are like... It's all it's all myth at that point, right? You know, dude, but, I don't even believe when guys talk about war stories too. It's like it's so funny in perspective to be more open-minded about it. Like, yeah, I've, I've got a bunch of combat trips. Brian's got a bunch of combat trips and like when we talk about our stories, like we always tell dumb stories, like joking, nobody's really telling like, you know, I killed a thousand people type stories. But it's funny to I think I killed a thousand people <laughs> with a hatchet. It's with an axe. It's funny when you think about the fact that like because we we talk about a lot We've had when we got in a lot of our mentors were Vietnam vets and those guys did like a year Maybe two if they were Mac V Sog guys that they signed up for second rotation Some guys did three, but I mean very few most of the 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 vets you talk to are like they're still living their life around one year that happened when they were like 18 19 20 years old and when you look at like like the Panama jump, like that shit was legit, but they did what like three weeks, yeah, four weeks, yep, like flashed a bang, and then Desert Storm was like the hundred hour war. Well, but you yeah. know, like the stand up for that, like think about the fact that like logistically we've been doing this for you know, eighteen years now, so like we know how to put guys on a plane and get them from America to a war zone. It's like a week, which is hilarious when people are like, man, it must be fast now. You're like, yeah, it's, it's a week because you got to like wait a bunch of places and get your air scheduled and get all your gear with you. But like you're in theater in a week and you live there for six months or a year and then you're back on a plane, you're home, you know, four days later just because of like layovers or whatever else or broken down planes. And, but you think about like Desert Storm, like what did it take to mobilize a Clinton army? Nuts. Yeah. Like, dude, they, they had no training in war. You know, you had some guys like the 82nd and Ranger Battalion that had jumped into like Grenada or Panama, but otherwise, well, they were very, very well trained in peer versus peer Cold War stuff. You know, all the tank battalions and the air to ground, the 1980s, all they were thinking about was fighting Russia. And so when it came to fighting a 
less well-supplied, less trained steer, Neil, well, and, you know, the Desert Storm was a near-peer competitor. You know, it's Saddam Hussein with tanks and uniforms and all that business. They just freaking ran through them because they, they, they had been perfectly equipped to handle that. But logistically, but what they didn't do. They spent how many months gearing up for that, for the air war and for bringing all their land stuff in? Well, Desert Shield, I mean, yep. it was like almost a year. I mean, it was a long time. They, but, then you, they stood on the gate and then they crossed, they went across the berm and they were done in like. Storm and Norman, man. To like, what, 48 hours? They're like, yeah. never mind, the guy tapped. We'll leave him alone. Done. Well, yeah, we had. Yeah, <laughs> we were able to knock out everything. It's like the invasion, man. Yeah, like that was overdone, and we we knocked out their freaking whole command and control element within the first twelve hours. With and then their tanks were done shortly after yeah. that. Every tank done. Yeah. I mean, you read books. Uh, what was the book? Uh, was it Roughneck Nine One or whatever about the ODA three nine? I think it's three nine one. Um, the guys that kind of like pioneered GMVs. Like the third group dudes that built ground mobility vehicles hmm. and everybody was like, we're still using Humvees and like, you know, moving in on foot, like the classic special forces method. And you're like, oh, well, the military has these vehicles. We'll use them. And third group was like, dude, these trucks suck. We're going to take some trucks. Like we'll take newer engines, like turbocharged, you know, and we'll beef these things up and turn them into mobile gun platforms. They invaded from the north during the Iraq invasion in what? Oh, three, I guess. With time. It flies. <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm not much of a historian when it comes to GWAT. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that. I mean, uh, one of my guy, one of my instructors, um, was on that team, and the book that the guy wrote about it was just shocking to me because when they invaded from the north with their Kurdish partner force, they had to blow a hole through the berm to get vehicles in because it was like such a, she- a sheer face. They had to breach the berm to get in. So they used like Bangalore's and came through. I mean, it's like some classic shit, right? They got into Iraq and they took some high ground to scout and realize that there was like an entire battalion of Iraqi armor headed them. Like the preeminent Russian armor sold to the Iraqis. It was like, you know, I mean, it was like whatever it was. Yeah. T-55s and whatever else shit, you know, like I don't know enough about armor to know, but I know they had like BMPs and they had tanks and they were literally like, Hey, we're an ODA with, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of partner force guys, but they're all carrying like AKs and like a couple mags of ammunition. And it was like, dude, we are, heavy. we're fucked, right? Cause there's not a lot of air stacked up at that point in the North. And they literally, um, they fucking made a mad dash to like a supporting unit from, I think the 82nd or uh 10th mountain, somebody that was like part of the invasion force with them. And they got all of their javelins and their clues and this one ODA knocked out an entire fucking battalion of Iraqi armor with javelins. That's awesome. Like it's like they use 50 cows and Mark 19s off the gun trucks to keep them buttoned up. So they didn't have any situational awareness and they just fucking smoked them all from like, you know, 3000 meters plus as one does. Yeah. A javelin. I mean, it's crazy. Like they're like, we don't have enough javelins. Oh, hey, run over to the adjacent unit and see if they've got any. So they can send a runner, come back with a bunch of tubes and then like a couple clues. And they're just like, here we go. Turkey shoot tanks. Let's go. And I mean, the modern, like a, a peer versus peer with air superiority right now is scary. It's not a fucking competition, right? No, it's shooting fish in a barrel. If you look at, I mean, that gunfight between uh, that CAG outpost in Syria and that entire fucking armored column of uh, Russian mercenaries and Syrian military. And I mean, 
I don't know how many guys were at that outpost, but I don't think it was more than a hundred. And they're looking at thousands of fucking Russian mercenary backed Syrians with armor. They're called Spetsnaz. Well, they are, they were, they were working for a Russian company. <laughs> they're private contractors. Either way, they are all dead now. Um, like my buddies were just laughing. They're like, uh, those dudes need to really work on their crew drills because uh, they barely got a shot off. And I'm like, I don't know if that was crew drills that did that. <laughs> you know, like, you, I mean, literally, they just fucking, those dudes barely made it across the river crossing they were making. They were like, there was like, the river was this line of demarcation, from what I was told. It's like, hey, we're not going to fuck these guys up unless they come across this river because that's basically point of no return. We are like threatened. And dude, I mean, that was like, you know, the Russian media was saying that a hundred guys got killed or something, and all the ISR footage was like thousands, uh, pretty close to a thousand, I think. Yeah, just you don't know when to quit, right? When you said air superiority, what did, well, what did it have? Oh, uh, I mean, it was U.S. Okay, I mean, U.S. Yeah, U.S. US air okay. superiority. They are not uh, helicopters. Yeah, fast movers. I think it was all fast movers stacked up. Wow. Yeah. So there, I mean, but it's like Brian's a JTAC, so like you know, a lot of that's in pre-planning it's not mm-hmm. like they just materialize out of nowhere you got to look to you have to forecast air and make I'm sure the biggest swinging dick on the battlefield with a moment air aircraft shows up it's like uh, a stand stand behind me children the this, a10s have showed up this m4 seems super <laughs> puny now right like, yeah, exactly i've been laying five five six okay well 30 millimeters an upgrade time for jazzercise wow. execute <laughs> well that's dude i mean if you want to talk about a long tangent that you've kind of the road you've gone down like the the U.S. military has gotten hyper complacent due to our superiority, and we win a lot of fights because we can, we bring more guns to the fights and we bring aircraft to the fights that the enemy doesn't have, and we've forgotten like holy shit what it's like to fight when they've got planes that are equivalent to yours and you've got planes and they've got artillery and mortars that are equivalent to yours, and they've got radio direction finding and jamming and tanks that are equivalent to yours. Like that's a whole different war that I hope we never have to fight. I mean, and it's not that easy to bring air superiority when people are shooting back at you. Like, we can throw, like, these hybrid, you know, fighter bombers up in the air, you know, F-16s, F-18s, whatever, and we can put them at high altitude and just have them sit. They're safe, just waiting to drop bombs. Dude, we can park freaking AC-130s at 7,500 feet, and they're safe, you know, and they just, like, loiter over the battlefield till everything's dead. Yep. It's like great because it's not that's not the case like once once anti-aircraft comes into play once uh, Electronic countermeasures come into play once other fighter jets come into play like what does an AC-130 do? But that's what we Dies. have boots on the ground for that's why we got SF for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Which funny man because like I know um, just as a, a an aside uh, Early on when we were in the regiment there was a, a little bit of a scuffle between the Special Forces Association and the Special Operations Association, which I don't think most people have ever heard of the SOA before. It's a very small and, and honestly, it's a dying organization. Mostly Vietnam-era Mac VSOG guys. Well, they, it was an organization that was formed out of the Special Forces Association because guys that had been engaged in like what they viewed as real combat were wanting to differentiate themselves from people who were just like supported in a fob who are running missions with artillery support and air support. So the special operations association, like one of the rules of uh, membership is that you have to have had a certain amount of combat time outside of the range fan of artillery without support from, you know, close air support, 
Um, it was it's pretty exclusionary. It was some tag protecting shit. Yeah, know, like, but I mean, their their roster of members is very distinguished. A fuck ton of Medal of Honor winners. A fuck ton of like really decorated guys. We're in this really exclusive club. But it's funny to think how different things are in that environment. Because, like, in my first deployment, we had um, we had times where we were operating well outside of, like, uh, we weren't outside the range of artillery, but artillery wasn't allowed by rules of engagement to fire where we were at. And then because we were kind of, we were a National Guard team, and we, you know, sometimes didn't have a close combat, or uh, CCT with us. So, like, we didn't have somebody to, like, plan out air so we would we'd kind of finger drill it i mean i don't <laughs> i i don't like to talk bad about the guard because i love you know 20th group but uh maybe you know my leadership didn't always plan ahead for what air to lay on because they didn't think they needed it right so it's interesting to be in situations where you're engaged with an enemy and like you don't have air support and you can't call for indirect and you're like you're forced to maneuver and all of a sudden, like, the battlefield looks a lot different. When you can't, like, hunker down and call in bigger guns, and you actually have to maneuver across rivers and through places that are, you know, like, you can't get vehicles across, so, like, where are you going to go? How are you actually maneuvering on someone who knows the battlefield better than you? We're going to have to we're gonna have to flex that at some point. That's I mean, that is the reality of future warfare. Is this you not telling a war story? No, I'm just saying, like, okay. thanks, Brian. We're hijacking the conversation. <laughs> Excuse me, guys. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go fuck myself. Um, I thought we were talking about jujitsu and stuff. <laughs> well, I'm not very good at jujitsu, and uh, that's why you're here, Dwayne. All right. Uh, How did you get into jujitsu? Uh, Big thing. So, jujitsu wise, uh, I was actually doing Wing Chunk at the time. No shit. Yeah, 20 years ago, and I was... What is that? Wing, wing Chun. Elaborate on Wing Chun. Wing Chun Kung Fu. It's Bruce Lee's mother art. Part uh, About 60% of his John Fon before JKD was... Jeet Kune Do. Exactly. Jeet Kune Do, way to intercepting philosophy. He sold it. He's a sellout. Well, anyway. Uh, so what he did was he took Wing Chun and sort of like westernized it, put a philosophy behind it, made it like... Um, underground thing where there was no grandmaster or anything. So uh, it could be anywhere. Anyone could adopt the philosophies to it, which pretty much is pretty much what Wing Chun does. Uh, so I wanted to teach. In the future, I want to teach sometime. So I wanted to test your skill, and you just can't go around punching people in the face. Uh, so See, these, these fists are registered weapons. Yeah, especially... <laughs> <laughs> Being a large African American male, uh, yeah, uh, I'd be in jail. Yeah, pretty fast. You can't so, play the punching game like fucked up white kids in New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, unless you want somebody's nose to touch the back of their head. Oh, they're just good Princeton boys. So I, uh, I decided to do an MMA fight, and I had to do some groundwork for that. And I went over to Team Rock in Forge uh, Fitness. I was working with Jason Colbreth at the time, and he got me on the jujitsu and fell in love with it. Then, that was where was Team Rock then? In Raleigh. Okay, uh, uh, that's where that's where his school was. Team Rock uh, was Forge Fitness in Raleigh. Before that, they taught out at Arima, out of um, before, and then they're the only team. They were only Team Rock guys in the area at that time, about fifteen years ago. Right on. So you've been rolling pretty seriously for fifteen years. Yeah, ups and downs over Hakuna Matata, you know. (laughs) 
Yeah, man. Well, I, I get it. I mean, injury ha- injuries happen. You stop training, work, travel, life, kids, whatever. But what yeah, was, just what was it about jujitsu that attracted you to the sport? The best thing about thing that attracted me to jujitsu was with striking arts, being boxing, Muay Thai, anything like that. You can't train close to one hundred percent and not hurt your training partner. Uh, you don't do it on purpose, but sometimes you you're you're punching and a person slips the wrong way. And you're going eighty percent. They're slipping one. They're slipping the other way. And you're going to add in another forty percent on that sometimes. And concussions, everything like that. Uh, so jujitsu is the only one where you can go almost one hundred percent and not hurt your training partner uh, because you, it's all about respect and control. And when someone taps, everyone knows three times you're stop. And people that don't respect taps don't last long. Yeah. yeah, well, it doesn't. People don't respect taps. I mean, there's a million ways to get at guys. I know because I'm like, you know, I get focused with guys. Like, I'm a prototypical white belt's white belt. I'm like, uh, I'm good. I'm glad I'm strong. And then ten minutes in, I'm like, oh fuck, I'm out of gas. I don't have what it takes, man. Uh, yeah, just relaxing and just doing. Going through the motions and just being put in bad situations over and over and over again, you'll get to the point where it's just like, oh, I've been here. Relax. So you roll in Chapel Hill, right? Yeah. Um, it's, what is the name of that place? Uh, Chapel- <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I have these moments all the time. TBI. I'm like, oh, shit, I know this guy's name. Yeah, TB- talk about TBI. Let me, let's yeah. diverge off of TBI. So uh, I get diagnosed with a traumatic brain injury, never been blown up or anything like that. Uh, it was through concussions from parachuting. No shit. Yeah, being huge, being a dirt dart, hitting the ground. So uh, they were like, oh, have you ever had a concussion? No, not at all. It's like, uh, tell me some of the symptoms you've experienced. So they were like, some of the symptoms of concussions are irritability, loss of sleep, loss of appetite, sleep deprivation. It's like, that's just normal field shit, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So everyone, yeah. So yeah. Is it? Is it? Is it normal that I don't remember a single jump? Like, is it? Yeah. That's just because I'm chicken shit. Done. <laughs> They're all night jumps, Brian. Yeah. So Chapel Hill Gracie is where I train out of, and Mozzie Terry is the uh, instructor out of there. So Right on. And I mean, like, when... So you're, you're a purple belt now. Yes. And you've been rolling for like 15 years. Yep. Obviously, the pursuit of the practice is more important to you than pursuit of belts. Correct. Otherwise... You would probably be a little further, right? Yes. But, I mean, I think that there's a lot of people in the jiu-jitsu world that feel that way, where it's like, this is kind of an art. It's a lifestyle. Lifelong journey. Yeah. And, I mean, that's kind of cool. We were talking about Anthony Bourdain at lunch, and, uh, I mean, you probably have a lot better idea. I, I know he did jiu-jitsu, but I don't know much about his life journey. You've met him, so. <laughs> yeah, actually, it was really cool because um, the story with him was I was competing in the New York Open. And the New York Open and the City College, you go in one way, they have police there, and you come out the other way. So I'm coming in the end. He's coming out the end with his wife, Octavia. And uh, he calls Anthony freaking Burdain, of course. I'm like, holy crap, it's Anthony Burdain. Have a little uh, fanboy moment. Yeah. Like, hey, Mr. Burdain, can I, take a, can I take a picture with you? And he's like, uh, no, we got to go. And his wife <laughs> takes my phone, Octavia, Octavia she you tell she wore the pants. This is before he was doing jujitsu. She competed. Uh, so she takes my phone, pushes him over to me, takes some pictures, hands it back, and then walks away. Nice. Hilarious. Awesome. And that was before he got into jujitsu. He changed his life. He got off the uh, the statins, 
uh, cholesterol went down the whole nine. He got a six pack. He was, he was training at um, Hinzo Gracie's up there. Okay. And uh, yeah, inspiration nuts. I feel like <laughs> talking to people that, that roll, uh, jujitsu is a lot like, like finding a therapist, like finding a good gym. And I know like we had Alan kind of talk, he wrote a piece on like how to find good, you know, gym to do jujitsu, but he was really, it was much more technical and about like coaching direction and stuff like that. How do you think like the best way to find a good fitting place to start rolling is for people that want to do it? Start rolling. Um, so most of the times, most jujitsu gyms will have open mat on the weekends, Saturdays, Sundays, where people just come in and if you give a call, uh, there's no, truthfully, there's no mat fee or drop in fee or anything like that. Um, so I was out at the beach a couple weeks ago, and I call up one of our local schools and I'm like, "Hey, I'm a, I'll be in the in the area doing. I'm looking for a place to uh, roll. Do you guys have open mat?" And they're like, "Yeah, come on in." And nine nine times out of ten, that's what happens. So when wherever you travel, there's always jujitsu. And all everywhere. the other guys at the open mat were like, "Oh shit, the Black Mountains here." <laughs> I can't really like that. It is always my luck when I go to any open gym that they do pair me with the guy who's like six times bigger than me. I'm like, fuck this. So going back to finding a good jujitsu place, uh, it's just like finding any teacher or school. Sometimes your learning style is different than their teaching style. So sometimes the first place doesn't fit. Yeah. So just, I mean, keep basically going. just keep trying. Exactly. Right on. I mean, but it's all a big, it's all a big family. It's all about, Respect. I'm going to ask a really dumb question. Shoot. Everybody has different answers to this, but I ask it of every person that does jujitsu. Is it a requirement that you wear a white gi until you get to a certain belt level? That's going to be the school and the teacher. Um, at Chapel Hill, we just moved over to the basic, the beginner class and fund, fundamentals class, only, white gi only, but the advanced class. Can wear whatever. Can wear whatever. Uh, blue. Okay. Blue or black. Also not whatever. <laughs> Clothes, blue or black. Uh, but open mats, traditionally, most places be respectful are white. But why, why? What's what's the theory behind that? I have no clue. I should. Uh, but I'm sure it's a distraction thing or a pay homage. Doug's been gunning to wear a rainbow gi for years. <laughs> oh, try, yeah, that's why there are the some people out there that have, yeah, one of my training partners, he has a pink, like pink power puffs, like gi. Nice. And... You you have the Gucci geese, you know. Like oh yeah, the Kim, show your rolls. Kim and the, bought one, man. She got yeah. a she got a sick show your roll. Uh, it's like her first, and it's black. And then after you know, like a couple months of rolling, somebody told her she, they were like, "Hey, by the way, uh, everyone who's a white belt should be wearing a white gi." And I was like, "That sounds like bullshit. You just buy a fucking gi and go, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's the same damn thing." And she's like, "I'm buying a white one. Leave me alone. Like I'm a, I'm a rule follower." I'm going to buy a white show you roll, a white 500 custom show you roll, of course, <laughs> or bees or killer bees. Yeah. Dude, I mean, that's cool. I, we looked into making some geese here at Softleet, and it's funny because I feel like uh, show you roll and killer bees or whatever have created a brand that commands a higher price, but that like maybe they're not actually that different, that they're still sourcing them from the same place in China. You know, like we found a, a cool different fabric texture and we're going to say it commands a 10 times higher price. I know a guy. Uh, talk to me after this. Yeah, for sure. All right, we will. Uh, we've been wanting to. I mean, we do gi patches and stuff like that, but uh, I think especially since we're talking about bringing you in on a regular basis to just kind of like roll with us here in the office, 
there, we, we will certainly be ordering geese for everyone to include Brooke and Patty, our customer service um, representative. Patty is, how old is Patty? Brian? One does not ask such things about Patty's, the women they respect. Patty is, Patty is not a young woman, nor is she old, but she is, well, the first thing Patty told my wife when she met her was like she started talking about going to a Magic Mike thing, which made me believe that Patty was like uh, down with whatever. And then we found out that Patty had some sensibilities. So it was greatly amusing that Patty has to field every question about the Dreamcatcher single sock we put in our. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. She's like, uh, why do we send one sock? Oh, well, Patty. <laughs> well, when a boy hits 13, yeah, he starts to discover socks. himself. Yeah. She's she's like, everyone wants a second sock. Why don't we send a second sock? Well, it's like, and so I, I started just being like, well, did they grow a second dick? And now, now every time she gets with these emails, she's like, did you grow a second dick? Why do you need a second sock? And I'm like, yes, Patty. That is so awesome. I have to look at that. Fire. Uh, we'll give you one before you leave. They will not fit your size 20. Uh, feet, and I'm assuming they actually aren't going to fit your manhood either. <laughs> it's like a fire hose down there. I have no idea, but I can only assume. My imagination runs wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so, proportional. so does your wife's. <laughs> and mine does, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, it's Dwayne. Hello, Dwayne. Hey. Oh, look, a pogo stick. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so... You, um, you've been doing that and like you're into welding and metalwork. Uh, hilariously, when I first met you and I found out you were into riding bikes, you told me about the Greenway here in Raleigh. In Durham. Uh, again, and starts in Durham and goes down to Cary? Orange County. Um, it goes out to no Morse. Uh, Did you go to Morseville? Morseville, uh, Chatham County. It's like 25 yeah, miles out, 25 right? miles. And then you you literally, so I'm thinking to myself, dude, this guy likes to ride bikes, and this is like a protected thing. I'm mostly scared of riding on the roads around here because I don't want to end up like a bug what? on somebody's grill, which I think it has more common than not. Yeah, they don't pay attention. No. But you're like, yeah, man, there's nobody on the road. Like, we should we should go over there and like and ride. I'm like, cool, man. It's, oh, it's, it's a 50-mile loop. Awesome. Like, I'm actually excited about that. And then you told me about your bike, which is not what I would have expected from a 300-plus-pound dude that's going to ride 50 miles at a time. No gears, one speed, done. See, Doug wants to do 50 miles in two hours flat. I would appreciate it to be less than that, actually, if possible. That, we could, yes, (laughs) we could do it. (laughs) So, hilariously, we were talking about riding bikes, and uh, Dwayne and I are just like, I'm nerding out. I'm like, holy fuck, dude, you ride a single speed that far? That's crazy. And you're like, yeah, man, I ride it fast too, which I actually do not doubt because you have like large yeah. legs. Yeah, you're a powerful dude. And you're on like a what, 64 centimeter? 64 centimeter frame with 25 millimeter, 25 millimeter tires. Jesus. Yeah, so it was pretty, pretty thin. They're pretty better fast. than 700s, right? I mean, like, how yeah, big are Yeah, 700s, but pretty oh, thin. Those are yeah. like tiny wheels for you, man. Yeah. That's a huge frame with tiny tires, yeah. tiny wheels. I feel like they have to make bigger wheels for like bigger bikes. I, I wish they did. Yeah, no shit, right? No, so I, I'm like, man, it's great. I'm going to find this. I got this guy I'm going to go ride bikes with. And I walk away, and he looks at my wife, and he goes, I'm going to crush your pretty boy husband. And I was like, Kim, I came back, and she goes, Dwayne says he's going to crush you on that bike. And I was like, fuck. We're gonna get I it. thought this was going to be a leisurely ride. No, no leisure. 
Everything's a workout. Come on. That's all right. I'll high five you on the way back when you're still going on the outbound. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, yeah. it's funny because I'm literally the whole time I'm like, man, Dwayne crushes the single speed, right? And then he texts me a picture, what, two days ago of his bike with a completely ripped out bottom bracket, like the cranks sheared off. sheared off. And I'm like, did you just break your whole fucking bottom bracket? It happens. <laughs> no, it yeah. doesn't. Not for me. <laughs> I mean, I, when you average like 250 watts over the course like of a workout, like you do not break your bottom bracket because you are slow and weak. Dwayne, on the other hand, apparently puts out enough power to shear fucking forged metal. Yeah. It's my third one I broke. I sheared off. Third? Third. Yeah. Not you on that to, bike, though. Not on that bike. You used to ride uh, triathlons, right? Yeah. I, I've done one sprint tri- triathlon in the back and before. Yes. How was swimming? Not that bad. I, I'm pretty... Got these big ass fins. Yeah, fucking racist, dude. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. Got this size twenty feet. As soon as I said and this, a I realized that I was about to be accused of being racist. But I'm afraid of swimming. Like, <laughs> like I like to swim. I also try like, trying to like think about doing triathlons now. I'm like, oh. They also have triathlons that are uh, the the super sprints and sprints are traditionally in pools, so not bad at all. Yeah, it seems boring though. Like open water seems like more fun. Yes, it is more fun, but you can push off the wall far, far less, and it's like, <laughs> that's, oh man, that's true. I'm so and, if you, and honestly, if you get in trouble in a pool, you don't look like a spaz spazzing yeah. out. You just stand up. <laughs> no, I, I I broke my back in 07 and was given like six months pool duty. You know, like hey man, just chill out in the pool. So I was swimming five to six miles a week, and. I got to the point where I could swim a pretty fast mile, you know, like 22, 23 minutes. Wow. And um, I did some big open water swims just thinking, I'm, dude, I'm fast. I'm good. I did not realize how much faster I was getting because I could push well and because I was getting that rest on the push and the coast. Yep. But we did a mile-long open water swim, and I was fucking demolished. And it's just it. a whole other animal. Yeah, Way it. different. I mean, I think the word on the street is it helps that you're, when you're in a wetsuit. That's what that's what at yes. least triathletes tell me. Yep, they're like, hey, it helps when you're in a wetsuit. I'm like, cool. Yeah. yeah. Also, I've been swimming with no legs now for like three weeks, practicing the two drills that I was given by my triathlete buddies. I'm a big boy now. That's all I know. So I'm like, man, I'm getting a lot faster just with nothing but stroke, and uh, <laughs> that's great. As soon as I get rid of the pool boy and start. Like using your feet, using my feet. I'm like, oh my god, I'm dying. Yeah, no, no, I'm, it's not even. I'm actually not as fast that way because I'm having to implement stuff yeah. that I'm not good at again. But what kills me is I'm like, how is this taking so much more energy to kick and pull at the same time? Like I, I've got a lot of work to do. So what you, know, you do is um, there is the Masters of Aquatics uh, programs in the area. Yep. Um, Dama actually is one I I used before I did my triathlon. Uh, they'll teach you a great stroke, well, dude, great coaches, everything. Go to the pool. Like I go to, so I'm a member of the sportsplex here in town. We got a great pool. It's awesome. Like I go to there pretty regularly. In your little speedo, yeah, in my little speedo. I like and your fins. Yep. Well, no fins. Floppies. No yeah. fins. Just uh, I'm not there yet. I have fins. Mm. I have not used them yet. I'm trying to little baby fins. I'm I'm waiting for a coach to tell me it's time. Mm. That's right. I'm waiting. Either way, Sponge I go out there pants. and I think. I've got this covered, and I look at like this fucking super fat old dude next to me who's just fucking efficient. laughing at me. Efficient I'm like, form is everything. Yep. Yeah, we had a guy, um, Chief Andrews, that was in my old company, that was an Olympic fifty meter sprinter. Um, 
pool, you know, swimming. He competed for Canada because he's a fucking traitor. <laughs> but yeah, he like was, he was NCAA like second, you know, but could not compete in the U.S. Like wasn't at the Phelps level, but he could compete for Canada. So he went to the Olympics of Canada. I'm going to say that you're wrong. Uh, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't medal, but uh, at Rodwania Palace Complex, you know, RPC yep. in Baghdad, uh, there's a pool there. Smoked everybody. And well, we, he would just be swimming every day at like four. And so I started swimming every day at four cause he was there. And so he would teach and give me some pointers and stuff, but he could just cruise on a breaststroke faster than I could sprint my very, very fastest in a freestyle. And like, like by 50% faster, it wasn't like a small thing. You know, you, you, when you see people that are hyper efficient in the water, it's, it's crazy. pretty incredible, yeah. It's not just about, not like running where it's like, no, it's just about how fast, I, hard I can push off the ground. No, no, no. You want to do another sprint try? Yeah, man. Let's do it. All right. Now it's, I've got somebody to do it with me. Mm. Game on. I ain't doing that shit. Let's do it. I'm down. For sure. Uh, find one uh, local and we'll do it. Yep. I'm down. I like to put the onus on other people. I'm hoping. Well, what's the distance of a sprint try? They, My, the one I did was 250 pool, 12 mile bike, and it's a, and a 5K. I think that they oh, vary pretty fast. Yeah, I think that they vary like depending. Yeah. The one that I was so the one that I was signed up to do in Malibu with Nate was um, uh, eight hundred meter swim, uh, seventeen mile bike ride, and a four mile run. Well, that's not bad. No, no, no. It would have been those fine. are short. Those are you know I don't know. I think it's just because of the, the nature of the fact that most people define triathlons through the Ironman competition. Like when people say or they're halves. doing a try, I think of that. Sort of, you know, those well, sort of even a half is a pretty significant commitment. Oh, dude, to half Iron Man's fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, even Olympic distance, yep. huge. Yeah. What is Olympic distance? I believe it's a one point one mile swim with. I think it's like a thirty k bike and then ten k run or something. Yeah, something like that. Dude. Yeah, I, don't know, I, I can't remember yeah, what Olympic huge. is. I I know that the the one in Malibu is pretty famous. Like for, they do like full half and then the sprint, but the sprints like a, it's a modified, I feel like sprints are just determined by whoever's putting yeah, the whoever's event on, which is funny. Cause Nate was like, cause I told him my goal is to do at least one sprint this year in 2020 coming up. And I want to do, I want to get good enough in 2020 to actually do an Ironman in 2021. Um, which I don't know if that's realistic or not. An Olympic try is a 1.5 K swim, a 40 K bike and a 10 K run. Oh, so, so just under a mile, 25 miles and then 6.2. So, which is a long day. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a good distance. That I is, mean, but that's okay. Blend, right? It's not awful. Like when you look at the full, but stuff, you need to be in great shape at all three of those events to complete that race. You know, like you can't just be like, I feel with some of the, tr- the try, the sprint try distances I hear, you can be a, sh- you're not, obviously you're not going to win anything. I think triathletes are generally bad at at least one of the events in a try. Yeah. I think that's why yeah. they're triathletes and not competitive swimmers, cyclists, or runners. Like that's at least the yeah. gist of what I've gotten. But with, if you're only doing an 800 meter swim in a pool, like you can be a kind of shitty swimmer and still like get horrible shitty yeah, swimmer. Yeah. Get through that. Same with a 12-mile bike ride or a 15-mile bike ride. Like, you can put her wrong or a three-mile run. But you start getting these big distances, and it's fucking... Yeah. You'll just die on the side of the road. And uh, no, one will, no one will attend your funeral. Dude, it's crazy. Uh, you know, Jeff Scase, the fucking Karen Halfhand. Fucking... Yeah. <laughs> we have this. We have a buddy, uh, Brian and I know, who's one of our athletes. He's, like, a super interesting guy. But he lost all his fingertips on Amadablam, like a, a Nepalese 
mountain. The Himalayas. Wow. Yeah, the Himalayas. And uh, he, he's a fucking character, man. Like, he just, he still does shit. I mean, he's still, he's still climbing mountains. Um, he moved to Texas and got into... When moves to Texas? Uh, he got a really good job there. Like, he was living down in, like, the kind of Southern Pines area. And just, he got a great job offer. And, you know, he left, went down there. But he got into side-by-side racing competitively. He's, like, a national side-by-side racer. He decided to start doing Ironmans this year. And uh, he's like, just, I mean, I don't know if he did anything before that. For all I know, he just literally jumped into Ironman. And, like, I tracked him on the last event. He did the um, Lake Placid one. Oh, which that one, that's a good one. Has, has a lot of elevation, too. There's, like, some hills and stuff in it. It's not, like, a flat. It's not, like, an Arizona or California try. Um, and, like, I was watching his progress. And I'm just like, holy shit, this is going on forever. You know, I mean, it's a really long swim. Yeah. Followed by like what, fifty miles of biking, or half? Yeah. Uh, it's no, it's a full length. Whatever. Full is one fourteen. Yes. Yeah. So yeah one twelve. One twelve. Yeah. yeah. One hundred twelve miles on a bike, and then a full marathon. Oh yeah. And I was just like, Nate's done like how many Ironmans? Dude, a lot. I mean, he held a pro card. It's funny because he's like he's like Alan, in that nothing is like really good enough for him. But he was so naturally good at it. Like when we were in the Q course with this dude, he was just one of those guys that's just like. Yeah. He, he'd never done that shit before. I'll never forget. We were sitting with Nate Dressel in a fucking Chili's having goddamn baby back wings and fucking awesome blossom or whatever it is. And he had just run a try and placed. But that's know, his he, first he one ever, right? Yeah, he had never trained for it. And it wasn't like an Ironman distance. It was like a mid-distance tr- sprint try or whatever. But he just fell in love with it. And I was like, so, man, how's that try? He's like, I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. I'm going to be a professional triathlete. And I was like, really? Yep. Really? Yeah, and he was. And the funniest part is like he's he started a coffee company, uh, like kind of mom and pops, like local, like a regional, like they do distribution, but also they do a lot of like service at events and great, stuff. Great pistol coffee company. <laughs> no, fucking <laughs> god damn it, Frontier <laughs> Frontier Coffee Company. Uh, he, um, but Nate Nate's a really good dude. Fucking Rob knows him pretty well, okay. and uh, Nate's like, uh, he is counterculture like a lot of soft guys and like at some point i think he got burned out with the whole tri-culture and uh people were bitching about like some like what people were wearing and how their bikes were set up for the try and nate literally showed up for uh an iron man and he zip tied a honda muffler to the non-drive side of his bike and did the whole thing in an aero helmet and a speedo so like he wow. and and, and he, he one and people were uber pissed yeah yeah, uber pissed he's got pictures of him like zooming down the road with like a fucking giant chrome muffler on the side of his fucking road bike i would love to see that him in speedos and i'm just like so how was that fuck you to everybody he's like man it was really worth it that's awesome (laughs) but i mean he took how many years off like at least three two or three years off and he started coming back for like like uh, local tries, and he's podiuming at every one. So he pulled a Dave Chappelle. Well, the whole time he's <laughs> like, well, he ran into money, not like Chappelle. <laughs> <laughs> if only Nate had gotten Oprah pregnant, things would be better. <laughs> oh, Stedman. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, it's crazy watching guys like that that are just like natural natural athletes. Yeah, and you get a passion, man. Like uh, you're you're a physical specimen, but also you're in my boat, which is. Where it's a lot more heart than it is innate ability. Yes. If punching was your only sport, you would be a king of the world. Or dead like Kimbo. <laughs> I dude, Kimbo is a small 
short man who has a weak chin covered by a large beard. I or saw Bob Sap. Yeah, he's dead yeah. too. Is Kimbo? Did Kimbo die? By the way, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I know same thing. With Bob Sap. Yeah, all those guys. How did what happened? Well, Bob Sap steroids. Well, yeah, yeah. steroids don't kill you. It was no. the other things that went along. Yeah, I think it was Kimbo was similar. Was it? I don't recall. I yeah, saw. Him I think. In, it, um, I think he like dropped dead. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I think it was after his weight cut kidney issue. Uh, I think health problems after that. No shit. Yeah, dude, it's bad for you, man. I'll never, never be able to relive the joys of finding Kimbo Slice videos on the early internet. Oh, the yes. street you know? fighting. Oh yeah. yeah, where he's just in backyards. Just... He knocked that dude's eye out. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. But yeah. dude, I mean, like, I'll just... never be that pure as driven <laughs> snow again. Seeing that dude's eye come out. Or watch Keith Hackney uh, beat Yoel, yeah. the sumo wrestler. He just slapped him across the head. He fell down and just started uppercutting him <laughs> and broke his hand. Couldn't com- couldn't compete next. I didn't. Uh, Heart yeah. failure. Was That's it? what did Kimbo in. Yeah, I saw him in uh, the DFW airport. Like, uh, I mean, years ago. But it was funny. It was I didn't actually recognize it was him because on the videos he looks huge, and he was running with like a crew. And all the dudes that were with him were huge, fucking huge, and they were all like around him. Like it, it says was like, he's six two here. That must really, have, yeah. I mean, maybe he was six two, but these other dudes were way bigger. Hmm. And like he was big, but you know how the deal is. Like you see football players in real life a lot of the time. Like some of them are fucking gargantuan. You know, it's not like you know, it's not everybody's an Urlacher though, right? Yeah. It's like some guys are just you're like, wow, you're not actually that big of a guy at all. But I was shocked by. Either the sheer size of every dude that he rolled with, or the fact that he was way smaller than the semi-big guys that he was with. It wasn't that big. Maybe 6'3", what, 230, 240-ish, somewhere around there? Kimbo? Yeah, he says 6'2", yeah, on his wiki. That's, that's pretty big. I sat next to Dan Severin on a Southwest Airlines flight one time in the middle seat, and he was on the window, and he's a big boy, he's and huge. I'm a pretty big boy, and did that you, was an uncomfortable flight. Did you ask him why he was flying coach? Um, I didn't need to ask. The beast. <laughs> <laughs> didn't need to ask. That mustache was still dashing. Yeah, Dan Severn, man. I, I haven't, it's funny, I haven't really paid a ton of attention to, like, UFC as a institution since it got popular, just because, I mean, it, <laughs> I'm going to say something that people will fucking be mad at, but I, it's starting to feel like boxing to me. Yeah, every week. To yeah. me, to me, there's too many personalities. Like that's the, like early UFC, not not even early, but like into the hundred UFC hundred when you still had Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz and all those guys. It was easy to keep track of like who the big stars were, and 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 you saw a big star versus a big star every time you tuned in. That was basically every card fight, and now it's always some up and comer fighting some more established person. I don't know how, three quarters of the names of the people on the card. Um, it's just hard. It's, but I, that's also a little bit me, of me just being a crotchety old man. Cause yeah, I couldn't yeah. tell you, I couldn't tell you like who most of the quarterbacks are on the NFL anymore no. either. I'd, but the two biggest fights coming up are, uh, Israel Hassani and, uh, Whitaker. Oh, Forrest is back. No, no. Um, Whitaker, Forrest Whitaker from, never fought. He has a very lazy eye. I'm thinking the, of Forrest Griffin, yeah. who I'm like, that guy doesn't fight anymore, right? No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's no. the New Zealand versus Australia, and they they, they sold out like a 50,000-seat stadium no in Australia. Huge. 
Wow. And then you got uh, Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz. Mm, that'll be a good. That's fight. in New York Nate, City. Nate is making a pretty amazing comeback. Yeah, right now. he's not young anymore, is he? No, no. no but dude, he's a. You freak. don't need to be young. Yeah, look, he, he looks like looks like clean life. Yeah, uh, he does triathlons. Dude, yeah. he's like a fucking. He looks well, like a goddamn. He does not look like a human. He looks like he has bifurcated limbs. Like like where it's like, is he double jointed everywhere? Like, can he just? I mean, like. Randy Couture is 10 years older than we are right now when he retired from the UFC. I mean, if you've got the, it's kind of like swimming, man. If you've got the technique, you can. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like a lot of guys just get knocked out and fucking don't come back. You know, it's like for a while, it's like the Liddell or the Rampage Jackson or whatever. We're like, dude, guys dominated their fucking weight class for a year or a little more. And then they get, it's like they're. They're unbeatable. I mean, BJ Penn and, and George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva, those guys were dominating for like years. George St. Yeah. Pierre did. Uh, BJ Penn kind of got bumped around, didn't he? Uh, Later on, yeah. after he retired and came back. Yeah. yeah, but he was, I mean, he was like. But he's been at it 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys had dynasties, but you don't see as much. I mean, you see if, if John Bones Jones could like test clean. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe you could call him. Or not snort coke. Or not snort coke. Hit a pregnant lady and, <laughs> and leave the crime scene, hey, but they, come back. Hey, my money's in the car. They ain't recruiting from the Vatican. <laughs> Give them a break. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go see nuns? If I go to church. <laughs> <laughs> go to Mardi Gras. Oh, fuck you. He'll fuck you up over some doubloons. Oh, man. That's funny. I, I watched the... Uh, I, that's the other thing, right? I don't know how many fucking UFC fights there are anymore, but like I was in California, what, a month ago? And I watched the main card fight uh, with Jason at his house, and I was like prepared to be super underwhelmed, and like every fight was good. Yeah. I mean, like really yeah. good. Um, the matchmaking is incredible these days. No, no, they're, they're, they, they pull them super tight. It's no longer just these like, I mean, five, three round decisions are more and more rare. Um, they're, they're putting people against each other. I mean, it's fun to watch. I love it. Um, but I just don't know who the people are because it's so global now too. Yeah. Like the flyweight or strawweight champ now from China, she beat Jessica Andrade, who was South American, like a native native South American Indian. Really huge. It's just like all these cultures, all these backstories, just incredible. I'll watch Khabib. Khabib. Whew. Yeah, I was actually laughing uh, listening to that Bermudez podcast about meeting us in Iraq. Because they only talked about that for like fucking ten minutes or some shit at the beginning. Only ten about you, Doug. I was sad. They was did your talk. Ego they hurt? did. No, I slept through most of the things. So like they showed up, <laughs> and I drank like three beers, which is like beyond my cutoff. And I was like, okay, well I'm gonna go to bed now. And I went to sleep, and then I woke up at like three in the morning to a ruckus. And I got up, and they were still partying. And I was like, well, I guess I should put on my big boy pants and hang out with these dudes. And then I found out that like while I'd been asleep, they had come and gotten my suppressed pistol out of my room and had set up like a box of rags target in the hallway. Mm. And Dennis had been like learning how to shoot pistols in the team house. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't mad at him. I just like as I walked down the hall and stepped on loose brass, I was like, what, what happened here? Yeah. <laughs> Who's been Chris, my baby? So I was just laughing. Like I come in and it's like Ashley uh, Evans. And uh, Dennis Bermudez and uh, Diego Sanchez. Oh yeah, yeah. So nightmare and not the nightmare anymore, dude. He was uh, he was actually super fucking cool. Uh, really nice. Really definitely in left field. Like that guy is a fucking yeah. super fun guy. But like, yeah, no, no, crazy. Like, like a fucking loon, bro. Yeah. Like he was fucking. It was entertaining, but like, it it was also funny. 
just because they were just really like regular nice people you know i mean like really down to earth pretty fun cool to hang out with they'd just gotten jailhouse tattoos from uh australian guy who had a tattoo gun who told them i'm not a tattoo artist but i do have a tattoo gun and they're like we want tattoos while we're here in iraq mm. so like uh i don't know uh, i Di can draw a magnificent dick <laughs> diego got a usa <laughs> tattoo on his calf i don't even know what ashley <laughs> evans got i she has so many fucking tattoos though Pepsi, like, maybe yeah, yeah exactly it's like <laughs> all whatever. i got is this hiv <laughs> But I mean, they were talking about their lifestyle as fighters and like <laughs> Dennis got lucky, I guess, because he was on the ultimate fighter and therefore he got a lot of bonuses coming in early. So like, he had cash out of all that stuff. Um, I don't know what he's doing right now. I think he's like doing alignment work or something up in New Jersey, but uh, they like live fight to fight. Dude, yeah. if you, unless you're one of the very, very top people, you're not pulling in more than like 30 grand a year. I mean, it's just... Yeah. But I, I mean, that's know. like, you got to train, you got to pay gym fees. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You got to do your travel. They don't the pay for your one. travel to the fucking events, right? No. So like... How? No, no, no. Actually, they pay for you and uh, like two... like For your quarterman. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's it. Really? Okay. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like the... You know, there's a there's always been sports like that, right? But it's self-selected for like rich white kids, you know, like golf and polo and bobsledding and shit, or lacrosse. As my children play lacrosse, um, but but so but UFC has always been the same model. Like it's expensive to do it. You require space. I mean, it's not just like you know to do it right. In the very beginning, it wasn't that. Obviously, it's just guys, bar bouncers, and people that have been in a bunch of street fights. But now it's a science yes. of all these things. My wife. She's she got into UFC because UFC there's a learning curve to it that most people don't recognize, but it's the exact same learning curve. At, I'm talking about as a spectator, it's the exact same learning curve that American football has. But everybody grew up watching American football and the, all these weird kooky fucking rules. Like, what is this line? The ten yard line? Like, how many downs do they have? Like, all this sort of shit. So. When you see foreigners, when, yeah. you see, when you see foreigners try to watch it, it's ultra boring to them. They're like, they're not doing anything. There's like 24 seconds on the clock. Why aren't they doing anything? UFC, when you watch it the first time and you're seeing jujitsu being practiced, or you're seeing the guys like sizing each other up, if you don't know what you're looking at, it's you start booing. You start. It's just boring. <laughs> but when, I paid money to watch these guys make each other bleed. Now but, make each other bleed. But my wife was sitting in a room with a bunch of guys that were. BJJ practitioners and they were talking her through like oh that guy's trying to move his hand here and he's trying and once she got it It was super interesting to her But the thing that blew her mind the most was the fact that a purple belt or a brown belt in BJJ is legit Yeah in MMA She's like no I thought everybody at that level just had a black belt. It's like well maybe in your fucking kids taekwondo class, but <laughs> Not <laughs> not in a real martial art where no. like they actually want you to compete to belt up Yeah it's pretty. It's pretty sick because um, I train with pro fighters, and uh, the hours they put in in the different disciplines—striking, jujitsu—and then you have jujitsu. You have jujitsu. Then you have jujitsu for the cage, you know, which is totally, which is different. And these guys spend a lot of money, actually a lot of time. Not well, time, is time, money, time is money. Time is money. Time is money. So they they spend a lot of time perfecting not getting hurt inside the cage. That's yeah. what it's about. It's not about, um, you know, they, every one of them wants to go in there and knock people's heads off, but it's about not getting killed in there. Because sure. you can get orbital socket broke. And a lot of these guys are, 
they don't have health insurance or or their or their wife's health insurance or something like that. Or, well, that was yeah. the thing that blew my way. WWE and the UFC don't provide health insurance no. for their freaking guys because they're all independent contractors. You got to be kidding me. Yeah, yeah, man. They do not provide. You get fight insurance if you're injured that day on the fight, but if you're injured in training, it's on you. Dude. Yeah. Get horrible. the fuck out of here. Yeah, Crazy. Dude, that's insane. Indeed. Speaking of insane, what is the... My, Jack Wines constantly sends me links to this fucking like it's like new tough man shit. They're like big hyped up stadium events where it's like bare knuckle brawling. Oh, uh, bare knuckle boxing. Uh, maybe it is. It's like the you know like it's like some real like redneck shit. Like they got a bunch of like hype side events like you know like Jello wrestling with topless chicks what? and stuff. Yeah, like and the people that fight are like normal guys. I don't think it's bare knuckle bro- boxing. That's crazy. It's um. I fucking can't remember what it's called. It's like, but it's like, it's regular guys that like, they go out of their way to recruit like, like fraternity fight night. Yeah. Like literally like fraternity fight night shit. But it's it's like some frat boys punch each other. It's random dudes that are like, like two telecom guys versus each other or, you know, some shit like that. Um, I'd love to see that shit. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. I'm going to Google it. Fucking tell a different story while I figure this out. Cause I want to, I want to bring it up cause I feel like you might. Crush this, although I don't know who they're going to pitch you against. Because yeah, you're an IT guy, right? Yeah, yeah. fuck yeah, man. <laughs> Beat them all. Yeah, this fucking like little pencil dick nerd rolls in. He's like, man, I can't wait to fight another IT guy. Whack. Fucking Dwayne rolls in. I just punch straight dead in the face. <laughs> I dude, this is literally this is the kind of thing where people listen to this stuff and they're like, oh man, and like guys are always messaging. I'm yelling in my car. Telling you what the answer is. And I'm well, like, yeah, there's not a call in. It's a fucking podcast. Asshole. I was yelling in my car when you guys couldn't come up with that fucking movie. Whatever it was. Oh, no, no. It was, it was what town was a, a restaurant in. It was the Salt Lake. You could not come up with the Salt Lake barbecue restaurant. Oh, yeah, You're like, enough. oh, no, it's Franklin's. No, it's this. No. You guys went on for like 10 fucking minutes. What so on a, on a uh, obscure sports boxing combat sport thing. Uh, so in Russia, they have this thing called chess boxing where uh, you have to be a master rated chess player in between the boxing rounds through the boxing rounds you actually play chess that's amazing it is freaking awesome that's, a, that's like the uh, that's that's they only started that because fedor i mean was just killing everybody they're like <laughs> but fedor is an idiot let's do this because he can't beat us in chess i cannot find this and i know jack is going to be super fucking pissed and we're gonna probably get... yelling in his car right now oh, he can't hear us but well, trust me fast forward four days when we release this and like, we're going to get a bunch of messages that are like i know what you're talking about i'm wow. actually going to text jack who doesn't actually ever answer any texts i feel like if you're starting to text jack we should wrap this up oh, well, how far in are we an hour and 15 minutes. Oh, man, this is longer than I expected. Yeah. Note to self, um, check the clock more well, regularly. For everybody that's listening, Dwayne will probably be on some of our upcoming YouTube content, Facebook, any book, the face box, whatever my grandma calls it. So hopefully we'll have some BJJ content, some fitness content. And if you want to check out, I would hopefully we're going to do idiots versus Dwayne and Ooh. some sort of fighting match on our Dolomir mats. No, no, no. I absolutely want both you and Christian to try to fight Dwayne with luchador masks on. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah, for sure. That's like, <laughs> that's a thing. Uh, we're going to do that. And then we're definitely going to have some sort of biking content where Dwayne mm-hmm. is convinced that he's going to beat me. And I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about my chances. And I'm going to try to get a picture of him carrying you in his arms, like the bodyguard. Oh, 
<laughs> that's wow. actually a really good picture. Oh, Master Blaster. We got to do Master Blaster. Oh, Master yeah, you Blaster. Do have to do Master Blaster. Mm, Master Blaster. Mm-hmm. I'm down with that. Um, but yeah, Dwayne may become a fixture here because he's a good natured dude. And uh, hopefully the video content is going to convey to you guys how he's huge and he's bouncing his fucking biceps while he's talking right now <laughs> he's looking at me it's just intoxicating bouncing and giving eyebrow raises i'm i've stopped i can only get so erect <laughs> it's, this is this is the kind of person that i want to immediately befriend in prison yeah you and i have different contingency plans in that life <laughs> brian's like putting chapstick on right now yeah <laughs> my lips are feeling a little parched <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, Dwayne, thanks for coming in, man. Thank you for having me. Hopefully this is going to be a long and fruitful friendship. Hell yeah.